Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. MWC Church is a place where you can belong, believe, and become the person God's created you to be. Thanks for joining us online. All right, Isaiah 54, uh, we're jumping into this. Um, the clock is telling me I spent too much time on announcements, so let's jump in. Isaiah 54, if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 54 is where we're at. Um, Isaiah 54 is an incredible passage. It may sound similar to you when we're reading it. It's because I, I, I read this on Vision Sunday, and after Vision Sunday, there was just something in my spirit. I was like, man, we, we need to get deeper into this. Like, like, God is not done. This is one of the passages that I believe are going to be a defining passage for the rest of this year, and my prayer is into, into next year and the year after that, because This is a passage that, in its context, the Lord was bringing to uh, Judah, saying this, yes, you guys will be overtaken by Babylon. Now, let me just really quickly give you you some context. Um, The Lord is faithful. The Lord is just, right? How many of you know God is good? God is gracious. He's merciful. He's kind. But you know this, the, the Lord is also just and righteous and holy. And when the Lord says that you are living in sin and he brings a righteous warning saying, listen, if you don't turn away from this, you are simply asking me for for me to remove my hand of protection. You're asking for me to to withdraw my presence in your life. And because I am a God that, that, that obeys what you desire in that regard, I don't force myself on you. I will take what you, your heart's desire and I, I will simply remove my hand of protection. And oftentimes what does follow is judgment. And that's what was happening to Judah. They were worshiping false idols and they were, and listen, this wasn't like a, they messed up one time. Like, can we just understand something that, that the, the mercy of our God is long. He is, the, the Bible would use the word long suffering. The Lord puts up for generations and generations and generations of sin. And that's what he was doing. And eventually he was like, all right, Judah, southern kingdom of Israel, you, you want, or Judah, you want nothing to do with me? Then I will withdraw my hand but here's how beautiful our Lord is. People read the Old Testament as if it's like a, a prepubescent God, like he's still figuring out his, his, his emotions, that the chemical imbalance is there, and he's just super like flips off the handle. He, he's just like all of, all of this like testosterone. is just like, he's going crazy. And then eventually in the New Testament, he kind of chills out and he matures and he's like, like everything's even chemically. There's a chemical balance. Like that, that's not true. That's not true at all. Uh, we see a very merciful God in the Old Testament and we see a very judge. Uh, a, a, a judgmental, if, if in, the, in the biblical sense, God in the New Testament and all that judgment went upon Jesus, right? So let's not, let's not pretend that Old Testament God is different than New Testament. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. However, in the Old Testament, people cherry pick passages and say, look at how, how, how evil your God is. Look how judgmental he is. And then the old, I mean, honestly, if somebody says that and they point a passage to you, just tell them, hey, why don't you go back like, five chapters and, and read what is happening and you'll see that God is being merciful saying turn from this, turn from this, turn from this, turn from this and they did not but the Lord allowed them to be given up to the kingdom that they wanted to become they wanted to be like Babylon Babylon took over 
And here's how merciful God is. He said this, it's only gonna last 70 years. I will give you up to them for 70 years and then at the completion of that, I will bring you back to myself, says the Lord. Listen, you may be experiencing the judgment of God right now. You may be looking at your circumstances saying, this isn't the Lord's will for my life. I am clearly being judged in this moment and I feel that, but, but can I just say to you that the Lord is merciful and, and, and the fact that you are here in this moment is his way, his attempt at saying, come back to me. I'm, I'm I'm trying to lure you, to win you back into my grace, into my presence. And and God is merciful, he's gracious, and he is declaring this over Judah right now. He's saying, you will, you're about to be taken up to Babylon. It'll happen for 70 years. And now in verse 54, he brings these pronouncements to them that are integral for us to understand and read today. Let's read these together. Now he's, he's bringing promises and he's, he's bringing hope, saying that will happen, but there is hope on the other side. Trust me, he said. So Isaiah 54, starting in verse one, we're gonna read verses one through five, and it's my aim for us to spend time in the next couple of weeks just in this passage. So we'll be camped out here for a couple of weeks. I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's, it's, a, pass, it's, a, it's a, a version of, or translation that I've never preached from, uh, but it's, it's a book that, it's a translation that I enjoy. So uh, it's HCSB is what it's, it's um, acronym. So verse one, rejoice, childless one who did not give birth kind of a weird thing to rejoice about. Burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. Again, it's kind of a weird thing to celebrate and shout out for, uh, says the Lord. For, the, for the, ch- the children of the forsaken one will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Verse two, enlarge the site of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants, those after you, will dispossess nations and inhabit the desolate cities. Do not be afraid, for you will not be put to shame. Don't be humiliated, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. Indeed, your husband is your maker, and his name is Yahweh of hosts, and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this portion of scripture. Thank you that we are privileged enough to understand it in its context. And Lord, I know that when we read scripture in the Old Testament, it's not just for historical pursuit. You don't want us just to know a history of, of what happened in the past, but we truly believe that Christ is the fulfillment of all things we read about, even in the Old Testament. And I just pray that this evening you would give us, or this morning you'd give us eyes to read this passage not just in its historical context, but understand how we should apply it to our lives today. Father, this is a promise that I am fully convinced you are bringing to MWC in this season. And we just pray, Jesus, that as you lead us, that as you guide us, we will do all things that you have called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So I've already given us the context of what was happening in the past, and I've already explained in my prayer that that Jesus is the fulfillment of all things that we read about. 
Now, there's a historical accomplishment. We know Cyrus came, and, and he was the one that set free the people of Judah from Babylon. The, the Persians came. They took over Babylon, and the new kings came in, and they said, all right, you guys go back, and uh, Ezra, you know, Nehemiah, those kind of passages, those chapters, or those books. Um, ultimately, Jesus was the, the fulfillment of that. You and I were held in, in bondage and captivity to our own personal Babylon. It was the, the Babylon of sin, and Christ, being a good king, a good deliverer, came at the appointed time, set us free from our Babylon, and has now pronounced this promise to us. And I'm also here to tell you that although that is something that has happened, the moment we, we became followers of Jesus, this is a passage that we could apply to our lives the moment we became Christians. I'm also here to tell you that in this season that I find our church, and this is a, a passage that is to be applied to the, to, the, to, to the entire church. This is what God's desire is for our church in this season, that we may have come from a season of, of winter where, where things seemed a little like hard and difficult and change and, and transition and building campaign and part of our wing was closed off. But, but where I see, and I'm just like trying to uh, speak prophetically here from the pulpit, but what, where I see us now is a season of increase, a season of growth spiritually, physically, uh, numerically, in every way I truly believe that we are entering into a season that God is declaring this very passage saying, it's time to rejoice, it's time to shout, the Lord is going to enlarge the side of our tent. It's time for us to lengthen our ropes and I'm excited about this. So for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about the season that we are currently in as a church. But I wanna spend time in just verse one because I think worship is key. Worship is not just something that we, we, we are called to do from time to time or to, to kind of warm us up. To, you know, it's, not, it's not the stretch that we do before the, the sermon. Worship is who we are. We are worshipers. In fact, last night while I was preaching, the Lord just gave me a, a revelation, uh, and it's simply this. In heaven, there are only three things that we will carry with us from earth, right? You will not take that car that you drove to church. You will not take the clothes that you're wearing. Um, you will not take the job that you currently have. You will not take your pension. You will not take anything that you have. Guess what? Even in heaven, there are no gifts of the Spirit. There are no tongues. There are no prophecy. There is no uh, word of wisdom. Because we, we will know all things. We will be like God in that way. We, he, will, he will give us new bodies. Like, like I mean, this is, this is crazy here. But in heaven, there are only three things that we will continue from earth. The first one is love. We will continue to love. The second thing is this, we will work. Sorry, if you think heaven is like a cruise ship and you just chill out, like, no, there is glory. The reason why you don't like work is because you are working in a fallen state. You are working in an earth that is, that is fallen and, and, and you are experiencing the curse of Adam where, where the, the ground was cursed because of our sin and, and it was difficult. For, remember what he says, like, it will be difficult for you to, to re, uh, receive produce and receive fruit from your labors. It's going to be hard. You're going to break your back. You're going to sweat. It's going to be difficult. But in heaven, it's going to be good work. It's going to be things that we're passionate about, things that we're excited. And I don't know what that looks like because guess what? I've never been to heaven, but it's going to be great. It's going to be great, right? So love, work. And guess what the third thing is that we will continue to do that we started here on earth? Worship. Worship. Yes. A.W. Tozer says this. If you can't worship here on earth, you will never be ready for heaven. So if you think worship is just like, ah, I'll get in there when I get in there. Like, listen, you're not ready for heaven. Worship is, is who we are. It's, it, it, it's, it's our embodiment. And, and I'm here to tell you that the first thing the Lord tells the nation of Judah is to rejoice. 
But he says, rejoice before you see the blessing. Look at verse one. We're just gonna spend time in verse one. Rejoice. The first word, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Another word would be worship or, 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 or sing out, right? We see that twice. Shout aloud. Rejoice. But look who the Lord is speaking to. He's saying rejoice. Childless one who did not give birth. Or birth. Now, it, it, it might have made sense that the Lord would have said rejoice you who are with child who did give birth because that that makes rational, that's, that's a rational framework, right? Like, like you had a child, you're, you're gonna rejoice. You're, but here the Lord is speaking to a, a, a particular people group and it's, it's the woman who is barren. Now, in the ancient Near East, we know that barrenness, to not be able to bring children forth, um, was one of the lowest positions that you could find yourself in society. It was, uh, not only was it uh, a position of, of complete sorrow, but uh, economically it wasn't beneficial for you. You would not have children to help uh, your husband work in, in the fields. Like, like they had no child safety laws back then. Like listen, you came out, they put, they put a spigot in your hand, like get out there, right? Like slapped you on the butt. Like they slapped you on the butt to make sure you're crying. They slapped you again to make, get you out there to work. And some of you are looking at your kids, you're like, yep, he's preaching, right? Like, but to, to not have children, a couple of things would happen. It meant that you had no one to pass on the inheritance to. It meant that your name had nowhere to go. It would die with this, with this generation. Uh, uh, it, it, it meant that also that a wife in particular, usually the, the husband was older than the wife. Um, the, the, the wife's husband would oftentimes die, die before she would, and she would have nobody, because women had no uh, um, li- liberation, they had no freedoms that, like we understand today. So they had nobody even to fight for them or to provide for them. Like To be uh, a barren woman, it would be a tragedy. But the Lord is speaking out to them, saying, I want you to rejoice child, this one. I want you to burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. And look what he says, for the children of the forsaken one. Everybody say forsaken. Forsaken literally means the one who was abandoned. So, so not only is this, is this imagery of a woman who could not give children, but it was imagery of a woman who was either abandoned or who, in our context, left her husband. And now she has nothing to rejoice over. But God is saying something completely contrary. And he's saying this, rejoice. Your current situation may look barren. Your current situation may look like you have a lifeless dream, that you're pursuing something that is gonna end up dry but the Lord would say to us that I want you to rejoice because the dreams that I'm about to give you, the destiny that I'm about to take you on, the, the, the trajectory of your life is one that's gonna bring glory to the name of Jesus and I've got a passion for you and I've got a pursuit for you. I've got something for you that is, that is perfectly designed for you and I want you to, to look at your current circumstance and I want you to start worshiping. I want you to start rejoicing. The Lord would say to us this morning that it doesn't matter what we are currently navigating through. God 
God's desire is for us to look at our situation, understand the size, yes, not deny the the depravity of the condition that we currently see, but to step away and understand that when we hold that up to the vast nature of our God, it pales in comparison, that God is worthy to be worshiped in every situation and every circumstance. You may have received a letter in the mail, or you may receive a message from a doctor, but I'm here to tell you that we have reason to worship and his name is Jesus. It doesn't matter what we're walking through. Notice here how the Lord gives the reaction he wants from us before he gives us the reason. He gives us the reaction that he wants before he gives us the reason. That's called faith. You understand that he's worthy of worship. If he only saved us, and we spent the rest of our lives living a sorrowful life, that still would have been enough. But not only does he save us, but he continues to bless us, and he continues to provide for us, and he continues to care for us, and he pours out a blessing after blessing after blessing. Oh, that we would have eyes that can see what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. That we would understand that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I I almost started going into, never mind. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Right? And I almost went into Coolio, all right? I I was going to confess that. So, man, rejoice before you receive the blessing. If if we had time, man, I I would give you instance after instance where we see that worship came before the blessing. If that would be the one thing we walk away from, that, that worship always comes before the blessing, that if you are someone that waits to worship after you receive the blessing, you are not walking in a biblical paradigm. You are walking in a very fleshly, faithless. It's easy to worship God when you've got the blessings. How many of you know understand that? It's easy to worship God when there is like a surprise $1,000 check that shows up on your door, but it's very difficult, and I would say it's a, a demonstration of faith. It's a demonstration of trust to worship God when you got overdraft fees, to say, you're still going to be my provider. Yes, I may have messed up and I failed, but you're still my provider. And I'm, I'm humbling myself in this moment. So worship is always, this is our second point, worship is always the right response. In every season, worship is always the appropriate response. Amen? But pastor, what if I can't worship? Like, what, what, what if it, it's too difficult to worship? Let me just say this. If you find it too difficult to worship in the season of life that you find yourself in, or if you are looking ahead saying, I know it's going to be difficult to worship back then, I'm going to say it's because of one of two things um, are, are not happening. One, you have not given yourself to Jesus. There is something about giving yourself to Jesus. I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm saying like you are, are, are radically given over to Christ, that he is the Lord and Savior, that he is your master, that, that you uh, make every decision compared to uh, like what would Jesus say about this, right? And you look at his word and you like, I'm talking about giving yourself over to Jesus. There is something that happens when you give yourself to Christ that it changes everything. It changes the way you walk. It changes the way you talk. It changes the decisions you make. It changes everything. Everything about you, and I'm evidence of that, and so are you. But if you find it difficult to worship, I'm going to say it's because either you haven't given yourself to Jesus, or the second thing, you haven't given your situation to Jesus. We have to force ourselves on our knees and humble ourselves and say, Jesus, this is too big for me, it's yours. I need you to take over. Maybe sing, Jesus, take the wheel. 
Jesus, take the wheel. Mm. Give me some of that. Right? You got to give yourself to Jesus. You got to give your situation to Jesus. But here's what I'm not saying. Listen to me. Listen to me very clearly. I'm not saying to be in denial. I'm not saying that you walk through the tragedy of death and you just paint a smile on your face and and, and that means you love Jesus. Listen, I've, 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 I've known people that way who they're walking through tragedy and, and, and I can just tell that they are saying what the right thing should be, or at least they think is the right thing, where they just got to pretend everything is okay, and that's, that's denial. The Bible says to worship God in spirit and in. So that doesn't mean you lie about your circumstance. That means you embrace it and you understand who holds it, and it's Jesus, that he has never forsaken us and he never will. Like David said, I am an old man. Once I was a young man, but in all the days of my life, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children on the streets begging for bread. God is a provider. He loves us. He cares for us. Listen, I've had some of the best worship sessions of my life with tear-filled eyes, balled up fists, and clenched teeth where things are just the lowest they have ever been. Man, if I had time, I'd tell you about the time where I, I, was, in, I was in ministry and I uh, was forced to, to leave the position simply because they had to make cuts and my life was completely flipped upside down. If I had time, I'd tell you about the time that from that place I had to move into my in-law's house. My mother-in-law's right there. I, now we're even, right? Because like I had to move in with you and now you're living here in my basement, so we're even. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I have family here. It's awesome, but <laughs> it's great. Uh, but but I, I tell you about the time, how shamefully I, I had to walk and even coming out of a season, like do I even want to go back into ministry? Who wants to sign up for that kind of abuse? It's ridiculous. Like I, I, I was processing and I didn't stop worshiping the Lord, but every single morning I was waking up, bald fists, clenched teeth, tear-filled eyes. God, I'm so angry, I'm so upset, but you know what? Those were some of the most meaningful moments of worship I've ever walked through. In fact, I am still eating from the trees that were planted in those worship sessions. So I'm not saying to be in denial, I'm simply saying this. Worship is the appropriate response in every season and that we are called to be worshipers before we ever receive the blessing. I look around this place and I love every single person in this room. If I am your pastor, I love you and I pray for you, but I will not be satisfied until every single one of these seats are full because that is the capacity God has given this house. And I won't be satisfied until we're running enough services to minister to the needs of the communities around us. You may have a predisposition to enjoy small churches, but I have a predisposition to love effective churches. And I count effectiveness, and I believe we should count effectiveness based on God's metric of effectiveness. And you know what his metric is? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He loves the world. He loves this city. And he's about to bring increase into this house. And we need to get ready. 
And the first thing we need to do is not systems. Listen, no, 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 no don't, don't worship yet. Don't, don't start celebrating yet. It's not a, an issue of systems. Yes, those are important. They help sustain growth. It's not an issue of, of, of better lighting or better uh, coffee or, 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 or even, uh, no, it's worship is the first thing we are called to do. Worship, yeah, now celebrate the Lord. It's worship. It's worship. He's gonna bring blessing. He's gonna bring increase to your life, into your family, to this house. But worship is our first requisite. Lastly, rejoice because it's God's greatest desire to bless you. Can we get that on the screen? I want us all to read this audacious statement. Rejoice, God's greatest desire is to bless you. I'm gonna read it one more time. Say it with me. Rejoice. God's greatest desire is to bless you. Now, I know some of us either embrace this easily or struggle with it, right? And it's because you may have been a product or have witnessed a prosperity gospel that, that just, just name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. The blessings are yours in the name of Jesus. Like, maybe that's what the gospel you heard and, and you kind of been turned off. I, can, I could preach that if I needed to, uh, but I won't because that's heresy. But uh, um, maybe you've been turned off by that, as have I. Um, can, I can I just say this? Because what some people have completely twisted doesn't mean that it's wrong. God wants to bless you. That's a fact. God wants to bless you. How many parents do we have in this place? Raise your hand if you're a parent. How many of you would do anything? Some of you didn't raise your hands, and I know your parents, so that's either telling me you don't like that kid or uh, we got to have counseling. <laughs> um, raise, uh, sh show one more time. I'm not saying how many of you own your children, but how many of you have children? <laughs> how many of you would do any? You can put your hands on. How many of you do, would do anything for your children? You still raise your hands. I said you didn't even have to, but you were just like, yes, I would. You don't have to raise your hands for this, but because I'll just tell you, even though you would still do anything from your children, you are still capable of evil. Jesus said this. He said, although you who are evil are capable of giving good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is not capable of evil, give good gifts to his children. God wants to bless us. And I'm not talking about a Rolls Royce in every, in every driveway and, and for you to have like a diamond studded grill that you wear to church and you're just like, I'm blessed, right? Like uh, too stressed to be blessed, right? Like no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying that blessing only comes in the form of financial blessing. We know that it does and it can and that God will bless us financially because he's cares and to him money is nothing and when we start looking at money as nothing and it's just a, a tool to be used for his glory that that he will bless us because he can trust us I'm not preaching that sermon but he wants to bless you we cannot deny the truth of scripture let me read these passages to you and allow them to just resonate Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I know you're like, pastor, that's completely out of context. I don't like that passage because people mean that, people take that and say that I'm just going to get, no, listen, this is truth here. 
Yes, he's talking to the nation of Judah that is going to be taken up to Babylon, and he's talking about a future, but, but does God still know a future for us? Does he know the beginning from the end? God's desire is to prosper us in his name for his glory. God desires to bless you, not to harm you. He plans to give you a hope in a future. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. Listen to this. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Psalm 36, verse 7. How precious is your unfailing love towards me, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 40, verse 5. O Lord, my God, you have performed many, everybody say many, many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes some things, everything, to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That doesn't mean we aren't going to experience shadows and valleys. It means that in the midst of them, on the way up, we can always understand that he's going to be there, that he's going to work it out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Ephesians 3.20, and I want to end with this. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. The plans that you have for your life pale in comparison to the plans God has for your life. The blessings God wants to bring into your life are lesser than the plans that God has for your life. He loves you. He desires to bless you. And the only way we open up ourselves to that place of blessing, where it starts, is at the place of worship. And the Lord would say to us this morning, at the beginning of May, as we are entering into a season, that he desires to bless you, your family, this church, and that his desire for us is that we would be worshipers. That we would not allow our worship, listen to this, that we would not allow our worship or the desirability of our circumstances dictate the size of our worship. Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. That we would no longer become, or that we would no longer be people whose worship is dictated by the desirability of their circumstances. That our worship would not change. The same strength we give them when things are great is the same strength and passion we give them when things aren't so great. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that you are just, you are merciful, you are kind. Father, that you desire to bless us. If we can just do something in this place, with all our eyes closed, every head bowed, if we can just open up our palms as a, in such a way that we're receiving something, 
wherever you're sitting. I'm not saying you have to throw your hands up, but just wherever you are, open up your hands. This is a posture of worship, friends. With outstretched arms and open hands, the Bible says. Father, we worship you and we ask for blessings and we say that the greatest blessing we could ever have is more of your presence. Father, we're not asking for more stuff. We're asking for more of you. Lord, we want to experience your presence anew in ways that we have never experienced before. God, we know that our church is on the cusp of increase, of growth. We see it already happening, even last night, people getting saved and baptized. And Father, we just open up our hands as a sign to say, whatever you desire to do in this church, whatever you desire to do in us, we are ready. Whatever you desire to do in our families, if it's moving us to pursue your dream, if it's taking us to new places, to new heights, if it means that we're walking through the lowest of lows, we, we trust you, we worship you, we receive you in this moment. You are glorious, you are good, you have never disappointed and you never will. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.